0: Today's episode of Atomic Moms is brought to you by Plated. Hurry over to Plated.com backslash atomic now and get two meals free. That's Plated.com backslash atomic. Plated.com backslash atomic. <sighs>
1: Hi. Hi, pretty. <laughs> <laughs> you look so pretty today. What's going on? You look yeah. like you're not wearing any makeup.
0: Well, I let my hair dry naturally. Oh, maybe, so maybe that's, that's part it. of it. That could it be did. it. Yeah,
1: because you look really beachy and kind of – I know. I look like, super beachy. I like it, though. If I let my hair air dry, that's not what happens. No, usually it doesn't happen for me. You know me. what Mike says I look like when I let my hair dry, especially now that I chopped it all off? What? For those of you who watch Game of Thrones, Aya Stark from – is that the little Game girl? Yeah. She gets like oh, the yeah, short yeah, yeah. fro hair when she's like – How
0: do you watch that show? Oh, oh I love it so much. I know much. everybody loves that show, but I can't – every time I've just walked it's into too- the room, it's so violent. It's so violent. It freaks me out. Do you
1: want to know what's crazy? We watched it. Yes. <laughs> um – we watched it, it's, it like, right after Magnolia was born. We literally laid in bed every day so and that's watched insane. it. And I have such a warm, fuzzy bliss bubble around it because it reminds me what of that What a time. weirdo. <laughs> I couldn't
0: even watch that. I got scarred after watching five minutes of that Shamu documentary on CNN. What was it? Oh, the whale thing? Maria yeah, Blackfish. Blackfish yeah. Okay. Blackfish. <laughs> yeah, Blackfish. Um I didn't watch I just that. ten minutes of that and I was yeah, but, devastated. But that's everything is real. devastates you right after But that
1: stuff is real to me. I maybe it's maybe it's also just being in the business and seeing so much of the behind the scenes. Like I don't even watch shows anymore in a real sense that I'm like, I love it and I enjoy it and I'm entertained by it, but I'm also like they screwed up in that shot. So. I've been watching
0: a lot of extras acting. Oh yeah. Tonight listeners just like when you turn on the TV. Just watch the extras in the background. Pretend to talk.
1: It'll crack you up. Oh, you know what I watched? We, Mike and I are one guilty pleasure that I'm really embarrassed to admit, but we do watch The Bachelorette. And uh, we call it The Bachelorette. And, um, and uh, this year, this this season is just out of control. Um, but it's like our one thing that we do that's totally mindless and oh, it was yeah, so crazy. getting so defensive about it I'm not I saying anything no how I, many nights a week is it though it's like just a two one, it's no, one night it's just one oh, night I thought it was two nights um, and actually Mike only watches like the very beginning and then he has to leave for work and I'm always like do you want me to pause it and he goes no <laughs> you can just <laughs> tell me what happens um But it was really funny because I was watching it and, you know, you always – they're always, like, walking through the streets in whatever town they're in and, like, Mm lovey-dovey and whatever. And for the first time in – I don't know how many years I've been watching it. I noticed the people in the background that are just staring at them. And I was like – it finally occurred to me, like, they're not on a real date. Like, people are staring at them. There's so many reasons it's not a real date.
0: Yes. But one of the many reasons it's not a real date
1: (laughs) is because there are cameras.
0: cameras. Yeah. And they've probably – Rented out the restaurants so that they could have. Their yeah, but like date. they were
1: in—I don't know where they were, like Ireland or something. And they're walking around, and you can see everyone like in the park behind them just staring at them. And I was like, "Oh, how like how obnoxious is that? Like you—you're you're not folk because listen. For me, I've been at a restaurant where I've been recognized before, yeah. and the minute that your anonymity is gone, it's so weird. Like the minute that you know that somebody that you don't know." in the restaurant, knows who you are and is watching you, you become yeah. so paranoid about everything that you do and everything manners that you say. manners get a little better. Yeah, I just, like, I, I'm not myself. Right. Because I get really kind of... So you're concerned about the bachelor's
0: date not seeming intimate for the bachelor's? Well, it makes sense why none of them really work because it's not a real date. Like, they're not... They're but, not- but, but, but my <laughs> point is... <laughs> You're acting like it's not a real date because people around them are watching them. It's not a real date because producers set them up and they're also dating like twelve other people simultaneously. No,
1: Ellie, that's real. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you I mean, it's date true but... love. <laughs> it's true
0: love. It is sort of the Hollywood way in a way, right? Like publicists set people up all the time. Oh yeah. It's kind of hmm interesting. Yeah. Well, maybe my next one. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be like 45. Will they put me – I'll be the first 45-year-old bachelorette.
1: They asked Mike to be the bachelor. Stop Yes. Right before we – I think right as we were dating, it was after he did Dancing with the Stars. They asked him to be the bachelor. And I laugh now knowing him because it would have been awful. I mean it would have been worth the price of admission just to see somebody who is so socially awkward. Like (laughs) –
0: Well, and you need to explain – that he's socially awkward because everyone knows him from oh, that's right. Love line. True, and he's got yeah. like this big mouth, and he talks about like in that he yeah. talks about anything ever. Like he's he not, will talk about like
1: he's not know. socially awkward. He's socially awkward in the dating scene. Like but, he and he's like a quiet, private person. He's in a, life. He was a recluse when I met him. I mean, yeah. that's let's be that's, that's, yeah. He which was people would be shocked by yeah. It. He like I could barely get him out of his house. Um, he had like some really really kind of dark demons and some serious stuff and so it would have been perfect for The Bachelor w- it would have <laughs> been awesome I mean it would have been such good television we talk about that it's all the so time terrible. Um, oh my god well this is perfect because um, our guest
0: tonight- today yes uh, Susan Pinsky is like in this kind of crazy world of celebrity and television she is Dr. Drew's
1: better half yes yes and she um, she's she actually has a podcast herself on Sideshow Network, which is our uh, parent company, and um, they, um, the her podcast is called uh, "Calling Out" with Susan Pinsky, and they have mediums and intuitives on all the time. It's a really fun one. We've uh, Mike and I have been a guest a couple times, and I think she's going to get you on next. I know um, Atomic Moms are going to go on Susan, Pinsky's but she, uh, Susan is so funny to me. She is this gorgeous, just I mean, drop dead sexy. Uh, you you have to see like mean we'll find one of her red carpet pictures with Drew to put up because she's always like dressed to the nines in these amazing like body hugging dresses and you just like I love go it. Drew go Drew <laughs>
0: uh, and I can't
1: believe she had triplets she had triplets she's gonna talk to us about gosh getting pregnant and now they're 22 and, years old and they just so. graduated from college and they're fantastic kids and she and drew are just such an amazing couple and their story is really great um and she's hilarious she and I love is her. wild and we need to go to vegas and do a bunch of shots with her and
0: like dance on tables or because i love it because this <laughs> i can't wait to hear what she has to say on this <laughs> podcast today it's gonna be good guys so let's jump in
1: it's been on your mind all day because last night was, in a word, delicious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can't wait to do it again in the kitchen tonight with Plated. Plated is for busy people who love cooking fresh, exciting new dishes, but don't have the time to drive all over town searching for chef quality ingredients. With Plated, you don't have to. Here's how it works. Go to plated.com atomic
0: and choose from amazing chef designed recipes each week. You'll find easy to prepare selections that fit everyone's tastes. Then the culinary pros at Plated lovingly fill a refrigerated box with just the perfect pre-portioned ingredients for your dinner so nothing is wasted.
1: Everything's delivered to your door. Fresh meat, poultry, fish, farm fresh veggies, spices, everything you need on the date you choose. And no worries if you aren't home. Your Plated Box keeps everything fresh
0: until midnight on the day it arrives. Prepare chef-quality meals in 30 minutes or less. Hurry over to Plated.com slash Atomic now and get two meals free. That's right. Two meals free. That's Plated.com backslash Atomic. Plated.com backslash what is it, everybody?
1: Atomic. Atomic. And we're back. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) So we are joined by our guest, Susan Pinsky. Hello, hello. Who is a friend of mine, but also a podcast maven, mother of three twins, Three, Three twins. twins. How is that possible? No, <laughs> triplets Triple. oh jeez, what is wrong with me? Triplets, yes. I haven't settled yet that's in good. Yes, triplets, that's right. <laughs> and is the wife of Dr. Drew Pinsky, which is how we met because our husbands work together. You know yes, the they wives do. are getting together. I Those know. men should be nervous. They, we,
2: well They work together very well.
1: They do work together very well and they're working together a lot more often now. Um, I'm I'm getting a little bit of the um, of of a view into what your life has been like oh, because welcome. my, my welcome. husband is no longer home. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to my world. Uh, well, so I want to start off with that because your husband might be the busiest man in all of America. I mean, I think it's he's right up there. He puts Ryan Seacrest to shame. Oh, uh,
2: 100%. Not monetarily. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably why he keeps working so hard.
1: <laughs> well, you got triplets. I mean, you got to. <laughs> yeah. So has Drew always worked this much? I yes. mean, yes
2: since you guys have been together. Absolutely. He in medicine you work 100-hour weeks and it's mm. actually easier to be <laughs> in doctor. media at, oh, really? than being a doctor that's such a great point. It's 24 hours a day. You know, your pager yeah. goes off all night long. I mean, from the beginning we used to be woken up a million times all, every night for for his ill patients and this is actually pretty laid back comparatively.
1: Yeah, I, guess, I mean, I guess that makes sense. I didn't even think about it. My dad was, a, was an anesthesiologist, so I, I know there were like – I mean, he, there would be times when he was, he'd have a 72-hour call and he just wouldn't be home that whole time.
2: And you don't get paid very well in medicine as well. I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's a, a thankless job, really. Right. And there's so many better parties now. For you guys, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Much he was better. An internist, of... right? Yeah, it's it's a little different, A different yeah. scene. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> wait, and you guys—you were telling me the story for the first time. I didn't realize
2: that I had no idea how you guys had met.
1: Oh, wait, I we have this in common.
0: What? So please share how yes. you guys
2: met. Yes, I met Drew. Actually, we met twice. I met him. In a bar before, I started working at the radio station. That's what we share in common. I met my husband at a bar. Oh, you did? <laughs> yes. Well, we ran into each other, and I blew him off. He'd, I, he hit on me after one of my little bikini fashion shows, which I was working in a bikini shop, and I was doing PR for my boss. And we'd put on like during the happy hour, we would we would you know promote the show, and girls would come out with balloons and bikinis and. And then Drew happened to be were sitting. Were you in a bikini? No, I was the announcer. I was the <laughs> woman with the girl with the microphone. She could be. All and right. she could model bikinis even now. She, Your
1: body is slamming oh, her. Yeah,
2: I know. But <laughs> you were in the position of power. You were at the microphone. I was. I was running it. And I had... Uh, met Drew and he hit on me and told me I looked like a model he knew and I said well I've heard that one before and then I walked out. <laughs> then we met again on the radio um, at Lo- on Loveline when I was doing PR for the Bikini Girls which was a promotion that I ran for the radio station. So basically I took this little underdeveloped job from Diane's Bikinis and turned it into a promotional show for the radio station because they gave- handed me a bunch of models to work with. And so I was promoting a, a an event you know Florentine Gardens or something and I walked in and Drew was sitting in the in the studio and he had been hired to answer medical questions and this was like in 1982 or 83 and he was like 24 years old I was like 23 and he said, oh my god, it's the love of my life. And I'm sure he did that with every girl that walked in. But <laughs> he I, was right this time. But I wasn't dating anybody. At the, I was sort of breaking up with a guy that I was with when I said no to him the first mm-hmm. time. And we didn't even know that we had met before. So I went out on a date with him. And then we the rest is history. He said, well, when you break up with your boyfriend, you know, give me a call. So I broke up with my boyfriend, and then we started dating. And he was very romantic. He took me out to a nice dinner. He, you know, he bought a bottle of wine. In those days, you know, the guy I was dating, I, he had a, I don't think he even had a credit card. But um, <laughs> so, yeah, it was very romantic. But Drew was just out of medical school, and I, you know, I fell in love. I guess. Well, I, I mean, it's it's funny, and I know that you met Mike. When the... you were on Love Line yeah. as well, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, and for, I mean, for me, it was like a love at first sight. I mean, I, 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 I would say actually lust at first sight. Like I just when I saw him, I was, I was tongue tied. I couldn't speak for two hours. <laughs> um,
0: when you found out you were pregnant with triplets, how? Soon after you were married, like within
2: a year. Or... Well, we dated for about seven years. Oh wow! Because he he had to, he had to go through his medical training. He just basically gotten out of medical school. Then he had to do his internship, and then he was then he had to do his residency. Then he was the chief resident. So it was like seven years of sort of getting his his internal medicine specialty mm-hmm. and he was he was the chief resident of the Huntington Hospital so he was really busy like this that's like around the clock work so yeah. he gets his work ethic basically we've watched Grey's that. Anatomy we know what that means it's, no, I'm kidding yeah. <laughs> totally kidding so, so he didn't really want to settle down I was ready after like three years I was ready to go because I told him I said you know I, I really don't want to get pregnant when I'm 40 you know and he didn't want to get married till he was a lot older so we dated seven years, then we got engaged, and we lived together for a year, because I wanted to test it out, make sure I did not not want to do this. <laughs> now, is Smart. he a slob, or is he I imagine he's very, like, meticulous. He's in between. Okay. You know, I had to teach him how to get the underwear in the hamper. And, Can you come over to my house, yeah. please? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all men are like that. I mean, he is definitely male. His, his closet's pretty organized, but it, it doesn't have that gay ring to it, you right. know? Right. <laughs> It's he's he's kind of. Semi-like. How about like
0: flex of toothpaste spit on the mirror? Uh, does yeah, he do that. Yeah,
2: yeah. He does, he doesn't and, wipe it. And, oh, okay. you know, we uh, our deal. We broke up for a period of time, and when we got back together, he said, I'll, "I really want to get back together with you. Is it whatever you need? Um, I'll be happy to get." And I said, "Make sure I just have a maid." That's all because I am tired of cleaning up your shit because at the beginning it was <laughs> extremely disgusting. I'd show up in his bathroom and the bathtub was just coated with whatever and I'd spend uh, like an hour cleaning it just so that I could shower in there. And, you know, I know what you're talking about. I completely forgot about this. But um, so now we we just make sure that there's somebody <laughs> to, to clean up. But now as he's gotten older and everything, you know, we I mean, it, I got to say I'm probably a bigger slob than he is. But I was super – uh I was super anal about it before I had kids, and then when I had triplets, I literally lost that. It, I had to let it go. Yeah. It's just like, oh well, there's that pile. it's just gonna have to wait, you know I have I have priorities right now. Yeah. but when we you know, we dated for seven years, get back to where I was. We lived together for a year, we got married, and literally after the honeymoon, I ran into the in vitro specialist, and I got pregnant. So there was like an hour and a half honeymoon. <laughs> wow. And I, well, I, I pregnancy was not getting pregnant was not really a problem for me. It was just getting the, the egg from point A to point B and the fertility was definitely there. Um, we I went through in vitro fertilization and I knew that I had some issues biologically where I couldn't. I, my fallopian tubes weren't working correctly. So we knew that ahead of time. We kind of had some medical research done. Right. And I. I thought maybe, you know, we we're going to have to start it. At, I was 31 when we got married, and both of us were. And I thought it was going to have to, you know, take a few years to get pregnant and wanted to get a jump on things. Right. Because we dated seven years. Mm-hmm. We had a great long relationship and it good times. You know, I had all that fun before marriage and had a great wedding, had a great honeymoon. And then, boom, pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually had five embryos implanted and four oh. took. So I thought I was going to have quadruplets. Oh my god. For 12 weeks. And oh. yeah, and you know, we we had to decide whether we wanted to reduce it or and I was really not into that. I'm I'm seriously not into reducing anything when it comes to children, but <laughs> I but they said there would be a lot of a lot of chance of of the baby's not coming out full term or whatever. So for 12 weeks we shook in our shoes and we 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 listed the pros and cons of of having two because they would reduce to two if i wanted to and I, I i didn't want to but we we decided that we the pros and the cons were pretty even you know the college thing is really expensive you know how are we going to afford this is it going to be hard on your body are you going to you know, how are we going to handle this emotionally? You know, I'm going to have to get three more jobs. You know, there were so many things. But we worked together, and we just really saw that it was doable. So we went in at 12 weeks for our ultrasound. I – the only three were there. Wow. One had just sort of – was sort of a shadow egg, a, mm-hmm. a ghost egg, I think they call it or something. Yeah. And it, it had dissipated into the uterus. So we were – I was – just exhilarated! I'm only having three, <laughs> right? and You didn't have to make that choice, right? That so difficult. Yeah, I didn't. I, I probably would have gone for four. Yeah, had I known, you know, I just I was really healthy, and I I I guess I have good genes or something. But I I made it to thirty five weeks with triplets. So okay. those three came out at uh, I had seventeen pounds of baby. Uh, <sighs> Paulina was four, five pounds. Jordan was five eight, and Douglas was six nine.
0: Oh my! God. Mine was six nine. My little girl was six Come nine. Run. All by herself, she had like a penthouse. <laughs> <laughs> was three in there.
2: And how long were you on bed rest? I was on un- six out of the nine months. What because I? Oh had, my God! No, there's no way. Yeah, when they when they um, when they harvest the eggs, they have to go in and and pluck the eggs off your ovary and after they they sort of produce these eggs these little and then to mix with the sperm and then and then they implant it but when they plucked it off my ovary somehow my ovary became really swollen and big as about the size of a, a grapefruit so I had to lay in bed for three months so that I wouldn't tweak my fallopian tubes so I the first three months I laid in bed and you weren't even that private. Drinking that Gatorade movie. and Ensure. That's what they gave me. So to sort of, I go, I don't know why, but. Um, so. Funny. And did you, did you have any morning sickness? I or? had a horrible oh morning sickness to the point where I was just like the first 12 weeks I wanted to just die. And then the. The 12 weeks came or whatever. then yeah. I don't know what the cutoff is. Yeah. It literally stopped like that day. Yeah. And I was so excited. I jumped in the car and went to the market. And then I slammed my finger in the door of my Porsche and, and broke my finger. And I was like, oh, my God. I was <laughs> out in, in her Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> so, so L.A. I love, I love it.
0: it. I can like see it right now. Oh what color was the car?
2: And I was so happy for the, the second I guess, trimester. Yeah. And I was so happy br- during that time because I could move around and I could get the baby's room ready. But at 21 weeks, I was full term. So I looked like oh a pregnant cow, basically. At 21 weeks, <laughs> yes. full term. So I started going into labor at 21 weeks. And then they wired me up with tributaline pump, which basically stops the the labor. So every time you start going into labor, you push this little button on it and it, they, it slows down the process so I laid in bed for three more months which and drank a lot of water and did you watch movies or I you know I could barely watch anything because anything that stimulated me sexually or like if somebody kissed on TV it would put me into labor no I I was being
0: told out like how crazy like they would know that you were turned on by that my sex drive
2: was amazing and we couldn't have sex you couldn't do anything yeah did he sleep in the basement on our (laughs) poor Joe I I feel so bad for him because he was so good about it too he went like nine months I think we had sex like once on our anniversary the doctor said we could so I (laughs) I felt really sorry for him but it was hard for me too and I could watch uh, Wheel of Fortune.
0: <laughs> what are
2: the least turn on? Price is Right. <laughs> what are the biggest turn offs? If I, I could watch Oprah, um. I watch a lot of Oprah because they're pretty G-rated. But if a soap opera came on, forget it. It was <laughs> That's it was over. So hilarious. Did you
1: have a lot of anxiety during this time in terms of like I mean being in a constant state of labor? I mean, were you nervous that they weren't going to make it to the to the full term? I
2: was it was I was like a science project you know I just felt like I had to go in I had to get those blood tests I had to get those shots I had to and the good news is Drew was so great at administering all the medications that I had to take at the beginning and then and also just having you know I had a lot of support his you know his parents his dad was great he was He's a medical doctor as well, but, but more than that, just everything's about babies. Everything's about what's going on inside of you. Yeah. you. You you put you put yourself second. And when I was thirty-three weeks pregnant, I developed a Bell's palsy, and Drew came oh my home. Susan, <gasps> <laughs> the left side of my face, because you get really swelled up, like, and all your there's like a nerve in your face that that goes through your skull and when it, i was so swelled up it, it shut it off so half of my face went completely dead so i was like drooling out of one time <sighs> my eyes wouldn't shut That's i was so like david
0: my um my father in law when my at my husband's sister got married that morning he woke up you know father of the bride Woke up with Bell's palsy, oh my god. and so all the photos—half
2: of his face is paralyzed. So I have a picture of myself when I was pregnant, and I'm the night before I'm giving birth, and I have this really sad look on my face because I couldn't smile because it was like I looked <laughs> cockeyed and smiling. On I looked my so funny. So I, but Drew came home, and my arm was tingling, and my face had, you know, stopped working. and He thought I was having a stroke. Oh my god! And it's just so funny because you, I'm just like. I don't care you know it's for the babies I want these babies to come out okay we'll keep them I mean I could have delivered at that point I should have um but they couldn't see Douglas he looked very small because he was hidden underneath and he was six nine and he was the biggest one (laughs) so they rushed me to the hospital I went to the hospital a lot at the end like for for many things I had an ileus which is a bowel obstruction and and it felt like I was in labor. So I'd go to the hospital and then we'd come home and they'd give me all these weird things for it. And finally he took me in and they put me in the hospital for two months, but they also, or two weeks, they, uh, basically gave me steroids for my face. And then, you know, it came back and, it's it's a little bit off still, you know. I have to I have to work on the Botox to even my eyebrows out. <laughs> but um, it's it, you know, it's like I was willing to do whatever it took to get yeah. these babies out healthy and happy, and they came out perfectly fine and didn't have to stay in the hospital. I did, but. They, they literally didn't. were ready to go home.
0: What a marathon to begin your journey as a parent of three children.
1: Yeah. What did you do um, to prepare yourself for having triplets? I mean, was there anything specific that you did? I mean, that I can't. I can't even imagine. I was overwhelmed by the idea of having a baby. The idea that you're going to have three.
2: And what do you do? Well, I remember kind of a funny story about you when um, when you were pregnant and you guys were on my podcast and, yeah. um, and Mike said that y- you were spending a lot of money on baby stuff. <laughs> remember that? Yeah. Because that's yeah. what you do when you're really hormonal. It's just like, oh, I want this. I want this. And I was getting three of everything. I had so much stuff. I spent $100,000. <gasps> Seriously. Kn- I had my credit Whoa. card memorized. But here's the good part. You're allowed. You're on bed rest. I mean, yeah. what else are you going to do? I, love I couldn't. It. No wonder I had he, no no, idea. no wonder you guys had this conversation co- about
0: how many jobs he was going to need.
2: I couldn't control myself. Okay, so we get – we at what I had all this money in the bank, which it seemed like we were doing fine. And then I found out that this accountant that I had for many years who is is now no longer with us, thank God. I'm not dead, but but I kind of wish she was. Um, <laughs> Uh she didn't pay our payroll taxes for the entire year, so I thought I had all this money in the bank and I got we got the bill at the end of the year and I had already spent it all on baby. Oh my god. You're yeah. like, don't go into the nursery. It's honey. a miracle I'm still married to this man. He he was so supportive. I I swear to God, I I feel so <laughs> bad about it. But I well, but I did I mean... prepare myself well. I had every gadget, I had I had lots of help once I I did make a mistake when I was pregnant, not to hire a baby nurse before I gave birth. And I ended up with, I had to like interview a bunch of people going through the process. So I, I give people advice to definitely plan in advance because you think you can take care of things, but it is such an (laughs) endeavor. How do you bathe three babies? I've never bathed a baby in my life, right? I have three babies, you know, just giving them a bath is it, Was the scariest thing in the world? Like they're slippery, you know. They're just amazing. Yeah. So one at a
0: time. What do the other two do? While the ones being well, we had
2: we had a lot. I I hired round the clock help at the beginning, and then you know tapered off after a while. But being left alone with two three babies is impossible. I could not handle it. The first time I did it, I was trying to feed them I had one in the car seat with a bottle one in the little swing with a bottle and then the other one in my hand and then at one point the one in the car seat kind of rolled off the couch <laughs> then, fortunately he in a car seat that was Douglas of course you know hey, of course. he's always the one that wasn't getting in trouble but um so I was like okay I can't do this and then the second time when they were like a little bit older I was alone with all three of them at the same time and Douglas went to the front door and answered the front front door, and there was a policeman there or something, like, going, did you know your baby just answered the front door? <laughs> it was like, oh. It's free-range parenting. It's yeah, pretty, I don't know why the oh, po- wow. police was were there. I'm, I'm not quite sure. Um, <laughs> Ooh, uh-oh, that's the real story. I, no, no,
0: I don't remember. <laughs>
2: no, but there's, the, I I did realize that, personally, I mean, some women can do this. They can take care of three babies at the same time, but I literally had to have somebody with me. Yeah. For the last 22 years. I mean, yeah. I,
0: they, God the, bless those mamas the, out there listening that do have twins or triplets that are
1: that can do in it, it right well, now. And, and, oh, and it's a so very important work. point to make. Um, somebody along the way, and it might have been Sada Simran, another one of our guests, said to me, it's very important that you know the kind of parent that you can be. And that there's no shame in saying I'm not somebody, you know, who can do this on my own with even one child. And that the power is in knowing that that's what you're capable of and then asking for help.
2: I tried. I wanted to do it so bad. I was so tired of having people in my house all the time. I mean, I had anywhere from two to three people in my house at any given time between the grandparents and the – help because – and we just ran in circles – all day long for the first you know three years until they were in school you know when you get them into preschool it's like hallelujah i mean those the people in those preschools are saints for taking these babies i gave them three monkeys like out of the wild and it was like oh my god thank you for taking them i mean i i we had to do all the mommies and mommy and me's and we had to do you know either you're always trying to find something to do And it's a lot of work. You have, you know, you put them in the stroller and you walk around Disneyland. That's about all you can do to entertain three babies. I mean, I see how Bianca takes care of her baby. She's got these little kits with the toys and that it's just she's got it all planned out. It's all so organized and she that baby is so happy all the time. And I mean, I I can learn from you, and because you. Why well, are you gonna do it again soon? Really, no. But I, <laughs> when I have grandchildren, <laughs> yes. But I do. But I. We. I mean, we were real creative like that too. We we literally had like an area all roped off with. I bought the gym mats from like Jim Berry, and I just filled the room with them and made it so that if they fell and hit their head, they'd be okay. And, and we turn on Disney videos all day long. Like I bought every. Every Disney video known to earth, yeah, known to man, and and that's why Drew's really up on all the Disney characters. But um, oh, that's so cute, no. So I mean, we just kind of keep it like singing and dancing all day and goofing around. And but I would have to have somebody with me. There's yeah. no way. It just I know. I um,
1: how did you keep your relationship afloat in the midst of? Drew working, yes. and having triplets. I mean, what do you guys? Did you guys have anything special that you did? Because I, to me, that's what I, you guys have a fantastic
2: relationship, and I, I love it's watching. It's amazing you guys we together. made it this far. Just, <laughs> I can't tell you. I'm really fortunate that I met him. He's seriously a, a an anomaly in a lot of ways. A lot of women can see that. I. If you ever go walking around with him, he gets accosted <laughs> by women constantly. Like, I love you, I love you, and uh-huh. can I take a picture? And he's silver fox. Yeah, no, <laughs> but he's just a good guy. Yeah, he's super yeah. good, and he's um and he's really dedicated to me. And I, I maybe, I don't know. Once I had these babies, I, I, I was kind of an a-hole before I got married too, because you know most of us are, but. <laughs> 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 but um, you know, after I had gave birth, I think he he just really appreciated that and he knew he, he's the kind of guy that appreciates women for the gift of life and family and just he's just one of those guys. so I'm really fortunate that way because our sex life kind of went out yeah. the window. and that's a really important factor in our relationship. Uh, at the time after I gave birth, everything changed because my hormones were really not the same. And I ended up having to go to therapy and go on antidepressants. And, you know, when I was having really hormonal issues, which could have been addressed a little bit better, but I did. And I, you know, it What do you mean it, it could helped. have been addressed a little bit better? What I realized later was I went into perimenopause a lot earlier than most. And so I was sort of dealing with mood swings and – anxiety problems, and lack of desire because I was going into menopause. Oh, interesting. I mean, and, you know,
0: were people just saying, oh, it's because you have triplets? Yeah, and you're nuts, or,
2: yeah. you know, it's because <laughs> you're a therapist. <laughs> you're, you're crazy. Bitch. I've never heard that one. Yeah. You, need to, you need to go, yeah, you need to go take care of that. Like, well, and I wanted to, you know, kill my kids in the middle of the night sometimes. Like, I would just like, I, I have to sleep, you know. And Douglas would wake up, and he, he would – um he would spit his sucky out in the middle of the night and then I'd have to get up and he would, he just was really not doing well because what we didn't know when he was six months old was that he had an arachnoid cyst. So I had, you know, when we, when we discovered that, then we realized what the problem was. But at a certain point I did want to kill him for waking me up. (laughs) So they put me on Prozac at that point. (laughs) Wait, two questions. What is an arachnoid cyst? Okay. So, arachnoid cyst is a cyst that it was on his left cere- cerebellum it's it sort of intertwines with the with the brain wow. and so because arachnoid is like a spider so it kind of intertwines and he was he had this on his left cerebellum which caused him to have um, sort of a mood disorder like when he ate he would start crying afterwards and or he would wake up in the middle of the night and he'd need comforting and or he was he had bad balance and so uh, he we discovered it we were in Vegas and a couple of nannies we decided to get away and have some fun and uh, he was jumping on a bed, you know like one-year-olds do and he kind of flew off and hit the ground and then he was, Kind of, he kind of went limp, and I just read in Parent Magazine that when a child it goes limp after they hit their head, that you need to call an ambulance. So we called the ambulance. Drew came up. I mean, there were three adults in the room. It was really weird why he fell, but it was basically because this thing had changed his balance center. So he, we got to the hospital. We thought he had broken his neck because we just for sure we thought that was it, and they found this. Cyst on his brain because they had this great cat scan machine, and you got to understand this is like nine, in the 90s, so yeah.
0: And is this at this point, is Dr. Drew Dr. Drew like, yeah, do the other doctors yeah, like he, recognize him as a yeah? Like, we, a had, media
2: we had, we had uh, basically, well, not the celebrity level he is now, but he was he was doing, I think he was doing the Love, do- Love Line syndicated radio show, and he was about ready to do the television with MTV, but it was kind of a they were young, so mm-hmm. um, they're babies, and so. Sweet. But I did get a lot of fan mail and stuff. It was really cute. Oh. But um, Douglas had to go in and have brain surgery, basically, at age 13 months. And, oh my God! And we, I, that was a new shift in life because we had this suddenly, possibly handicapped child. You know, we didn't even know what was going to happen. But the surgery was successful. They drained the cyst. It, it never grew after that. He, he you know, he had some learning disabilities and he had some speech pathology and then we had to go to speech pathologists. And we had, mm-hmm. so on top of raising triplets, we had this one that we had to keep. Right. And then we had to go to to some um, psychotherapy because he got aggressive at a certain point because he couldn't talk. So we'd bite the other ones or he'd hit them. And, and we had to like, you know, so because much. he couldn't use his words. Like, for right. example, like I see Magnolia's development and she is extremely bright and speaks like I... I met her at the restaurant. I said I asked her a question. She answered it. And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" She goes, "Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, sure. Yeah, whatever." But I, but my kids, their speech was already develop, a little bit developmentally behind because they are triplets and they do develop their own little language yeah. with oh, one another. Yeah. That makes sense. and there's not as one as much one-on-one time. And I'm not a preschool teacher, so I literally was just like, okay, (laughs) what language are we speaking today? (laughs) We just got through the day. But um, be that as it may, they all got into the preschool of their choice and they all (laughs) had their, you know, developmentally, we got them all ahead and they, you know, we worked the system. And basically, Douglas is doing great and he's, you know, he does have to deal with some of his organizational skills are a little different in the way that he studies is different and but he's a master at piano and a brilliant singer and opera singer and he's just graduated from a great school and it just you know but it, there was always sort of this feeling in the back of our head like how is this going to work out for him and you always worry about that I mean I was more concerned once they were out what they were gonna turn into than when right. when they were inside of him. <laughs> yeah.
0: Did he bond with his daddy with the
2: opera? Yeah, he basically has an some kind of weird genetic ability to play music. And he my we have music on my side of the family and some kind of idiot savant music side and then we also have Drew's opera voice on the other side. He got yeah. he got the mixture of the two. Pauline's a Really great musician too, but she was more of a dancer singer, um, and she sang some opera as well. And then, but Douglas just got this gift of his his voice. But he's, you know, that was sort of part of the healing process for him too. You know, having music and that always yeah. made him happy. When he get frustrated or if he had problems, he would just emotions. Get himself in immersed in piano, you know, and he would just use music to make himself feel better if he could, he wasn't doing well in school or if he was, you know, not getting along with people at at school. You know, it's it's he, he had to develop this system to to cope with whatever the outcome was of the arachnoid cyst because when you, you do have brain surgery. It, yeah, it changes your brain to William. have your yeah. brain opened up. But he's he I mean he's normal. He's yeah. but I mean it was scary. It was really scary because we we're like, oh crap, we're gonna have something wrong with him, you know, and then the the other two also had to put up with all the attention we were giving him. Yeah.
0: And how did you do that over the years where how did you forge a relationship with each of your children separately
2: I think that my daughter and I were closer because you know girls uh, hang around each other a little bit more I think that out of the three Jordan kind of was a little more left out of the, of the uh, situation and he is my middle child he was born second <laughs> I love it. How many minutes is, is he middle? He's like five minutes. Okay. But, um, but there is a middle personality, even with triplets. Yeah. So amazing. I, yeah. And so, but I see it now because he also was always, well, when Douglas was sick, I think he sort of became really independent. And he was always my moral compass of the three. So I would give him little jobs and stuff and he did that along the way. But I think he kinda got tired of it at a certain point. <laughs> he doesn't want to do that anymore. You know, he's he's literally like um he just wants to do his own thing now. So I but I Douglas and I probably are a lot closer because of the fact that I spent so much time helping him heal and helping Mm -hmm. with And he, there is a connection that's a little bit different it's it's hard to explain not because I love him anymore than the other two but I think just because we had a a lot more one-on-one time a lot more bond and I was I knew that he was in pain after he had brain surgery and I had to help him deal with that and Mm because they can't talk and but um, there's the arachnoid cysts are really complicated and if you ever google it I mean you'll see people it changes people's lives and we got so lucky that we caught it when we did and that nothing horrible happened to the point where he's having to cope with it and what are even symptoms of do you uh, well, basically, you know how uh, they used to measure babies' heads. Yeah. You know, in the olden days. Yeah, they still do. I do think. they really? Yeah. yeah. Well I had three and I had two with like, you know, ninety percent or eighty percent seventy five percentile head size and then Douglas had like a hundred percentile. <sighs> so we had this thing and I was like, if you're gonna measure their heads and when you and you see a difference, like you should maybe look into that, you know? Right. What look yeah. at your findings. But that wasn't really a symptom. His symptom was, he was agitated after he ate. He he couldn't. I mean, I'd watch the three of them try to walk. The other two could walk. He would walk and then he'd fall down. Mm-hmm. Um, he was. I I. There was a certain point where I got really anxious about. It. I went to the pediatrician. I said something's really wrong. He he cries after he eats. It's really weird. And he goes, well, here's this book, The Willful Child. You need to read this. So I followed all the directions in The Willful Child. And it helped a little bit, but it wasn't going away. So, you know, basically I had reached out to my doctor and said, well, I, there's, he's different than the other two. So, I mean, I think the biggest thing to do is to use your intuition and to try to use your instincts to basically get your, your pediatricians to take notice to it. You right. know, and I, and I did know that he wasn't swallowing and he didn't like, but he loved to eat. He was the biggest eater of the three of them. And we, after dinner, we'd, I'd have to walk him around and stuff. He was agitated, but it was because he had the pressure of this thing growing in his head. I don't know. I and plus, I think it the nerve may have been attached to his tongue, and he couldn't mm-hmm. swallow correctly. So that was another symptom. But I just wish that I was a little pushier.
1: Well, we've talked about that with another guest of ours before, um, and I know, like with Magnolia, she had. I mean, it was a very um, small thing that she had, torticollis. And um, I just think it's so important. Like, I feel like so many parents think that, like, if they say something, they're scared to ask a dumb question or, you know, seem ignorant about things. And it's like there's no harm in just speaking up because, you know, it was weird. Even me, when I went into my doctor and I said, it seems like her head tilts a little bit to the left when she's sitting And he took a closer look, and I don't think doctors are missing things on purpose, certainly not, but sometimes there's so much to look at, they might miss a little thing that you might, they might not see because you're not informing them about what you're seeing at home. And if you don't, if
0: they brush you off, find somebody else and ask them, because sometimes you end up with
2: Well, pediatricians are not necessarily like internal medicine specialists, it's... You, you have to find a good one and you have to use your intuition when you're in the hospital and I was at children's Hospital with Douglas for the week they basically um, leave you with your child to decide what to do and um, the when Douglas came out of surgery he was making this weird whining noise and you know you have when you're in the hospital you have to go to the nurses station and go I think there's something up I think there's something wrong but drew actually walked in and he heard this weird noise he was making and said that's not normal so he we got the doctor in and his head was swelling so i mean there's yeah fortunately he saved douglas's life uh, that's it i you're would
0: not it's not only when you're wondering if something's wrong like when you're at the hospital like you yeah. have to be vigilant mothers
2: have the best instinct with their children and sometimes we seem a little bit over the top anxious and angry or whatever you know i want my child to get have the best but Too bad. That's the way it goes. You're you're here to protect the baby and develop a human being to its full potential. And if you can't if you see it in and have to do something about it, you're the only person who may be able to save that child. And Doug, and Douglas was, you know, always my problem child. He had, he had many, many more events as he went on. It was kind of funny. He was the one who needed his appendix removed. He he broke his arm. He broke his leg. He had, you know, it was one thing after another with him. The other two had never had surgery. It's so weird. It's like some cosmic thing with him where he had to be the one to have all the problems. Yeah. He It's almost like in his previous lifetime, he, he did something to deserve this. But oh, no. The, he, I swear to God.
0: Yeah, or maybe just... there's some lesson there for you. Like maybe he, if, if, I don't know, like maybe it's about, because I
2: don't want to put that on him. No, I no. I mean, we was... actually laugh about it because he's going, it's always me. You know, why am I the right. one? Now he's doing great. Like he's but turned it everything. But it seems around. like
0: it softened you potentially, like because you had this child that needed your help, yes, right? Absolutely. And so it was able to really tap into your motherly instincts and you're probably a a stronger person. I just wish that
2: I was a little bit pushier, but being a doctor's wife, you don't want to be super pushy with, with medical medical doctors because, and I, and I do ask a lot of questions and I do write them down before I go to the pediatrician. And aren't you
0: why um, Drew found out about his prostate cancer?
2: Yeah. Well, he, yes, because he was getting sick a lot. You know, I do see when my kids are sick. I mean, uh, fortunately, well, not everything. I mean, honestly, douglas got typhus too and i didn't diagnose that but well <laughs> douglas typhus got typhus <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i mean gotta have him on the show so he can defend himself <laughs> oh no he he'll tell you he's okay. just like why why is it always me um which and it's funny too because he was the biggest right yeah. he's the, the biggest baby and you'd think that he, was he would the be alpha. the hardier. oh yeah and you know they're it's just a running joke in the family now, but now and he has a good sense of humor about it. But I, I did notice that Drew was sick quite a bit, and I, he he kept he he didn't have his own doctor, so he kept diagnosing himself with some weird, <laughs> you know, flea born disease. I went to New York and I ate some fish and I got food poisoning, and then he was sick for a week, and then he a, a couple of weeks later he was sick with something else, and then we went on a trip to the uh, virgin islands and um he thought he got some flea-borne disease while he was there and you know it ended up being h1n1 but i didn't get it like i he was sick all these times with these viruses and i was like completely healthy and i'm thinking you know if you're if you've got a virus why am i not catching this right and maybe i had h1n1 before but i could have but um,
0: could have? um I mean, at the time, could was he thinking, well, it's just because I'm working so hard, I'm run down?
2: Yeah, no. Or what was he, his reasoning why he you wouldn't get it? He just came up with some weird diseases that he had. He's, very, he's a but hypochondriac. He okay. Yeah. He, he <laughs> Whatever the worst thing it could be, that's what it is. And he's like twittering it in the hospital. I know. That's and, rough yeah. when you're a doctor because you
0: know all these things. he yeah.
2: damage control because he was like well, 200 degree fever and he was like twittering and yeah. I'm in the hospital and next thing you know, his manager was like, could you tell him to stop? Stop tweeting. He's <laughs> not dying of a, a disease. And, uh, anyway, so. Um, the publicist just like, shut it down. No,
1: Mike always says, Mike's like, Drew's problem is that he knows too much. Yeah, and exactly. so it's like, yeah. I mean, yeah. Be a I mean, in medical
2: school. But go, when the kids I'm were sick sure ever... with something really bad, like typhus, mm-hmm. I would go, oh, yeah, he's got a whatever. And he'd go, no, 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 this is bad. And then we'd find out Douglas had typhus. So he's good at calling certain things. And right. his medical intuition has saved everybody in my family. Like, he saved my left eye, and he saved my life in the hospital after I gave birth, and he saved Douglas a couple of times. I mean, he seriously, he comes in handy. It's yes. really, it's actually a great thing to have around the house. Sabrina, marry a doctor. That's my daughter. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, so, wait, so really quickly, because then I've, we've got a million more questions. Do you... How did you? So he just was sick with the flu or, or different viruses, and then what happened to well, find he, out he had prostate? I told
2: cancer? him that he needed to get an internist, and I said, you know, it's time because we. I had just gotten one of these like con- concierge service things where you you go in and you pay at the beginning of the year. I said, you know, I I like this guy. He he went to Poly like you did, and he's younger than us, and you know, let's just get you get you a doctor. And he's like. Oh, I I my friends have been helping me. I don't need. I said, "Come on, let's just pay the money." You're like he he likes to make money, doesn't like to spend it. I just do that for him. But um, <laughs> so anyways, I signed him up, and he went in, and they took the blood test, and they found his his PSAs were kind of high, and they um, his father had prostate cancer, and his uncle. So, but he was very young to have PSAs at this level. So he went into a specialist and they started checking into it we we actually got a guy he liked in Pasadena and um they were like you know this really has to go it's not it's not good so it was really kind of a bad experience because my kids had just gone to college, and we so your just
0: emptiness syndrome.
2: Yeah, we just finally were having that second honeymoon. That's why you know when he got H one N one, I was like, "Why don't I?" We've been kissing all week. There's no reason for me to not be sick.
0: <laughs> Adam always says I'm the carrier. Whenever like he gets sick and I don't, he says I'm the carrier. It's very loving.
2: <laughs> but I guess Drew Drew thinks it's worth it. So and how did that?
0: his recovery and post-cancer. The the
2: interesting thing was, you know, I have sort of this mantra where when your kids go off to college, you just want them to have that first-year experience and have it be really awesome and not give them any extra baggage while they're there because they're just trying to be out in the world by themselves for their first year in their dorm and their friends. So we we didn't tell them, you know, that he had been diagnosed with cancer. So because we just really – didn't know how difficult or how bad it was going to be. So we tried to like help them get through their first year, but we were scared, you know, to death, you know, like, Oh my gosh, this is really horrible. You know, I mean, what, what if so, and Drew gets a little dramatic too about stuff like that. And he likes to think the worst. And I'm like, don't do that. Don't do that. You know, but after he had a few more tests, um, six months later it was getting a little bit more aggressive so we had to consider the surgery because of his age they can't do like they can't use radiation they have to remove it completely so basically what they have to do is go in with robotics and take the prostate out and it's a big surgery huge surgery and you have to not you can't work in we he had a couple of tv shows in production and We didn't really want them to know because you can't get insurance and then you may not get renewed. And he had an entire television crew and everything. So we were trying to put it off as long as possible to see if, you know, he could find a space open. So we had to plan it like a year away. So he – then we changed doctors. We ended up with this amazing guy, Dr. Holden at Cedars, and they – he gave us another six months. But – we literally had to clear the slate for an entire year because, you know, the way that Hollywood is, you book in advance and then you basically you work based on bookings mm-hmm. from the year before previously. So he just cleared out his schedule and he went in for surgery. The kids knew at this point. We after the first year of college, we let them know. Um, <laughs> but he spent the summer on the porch, and he, the surgery was a huge success. He, um, it was difficult. It was not an easy surgery. It it was pretty close to having triplets or you know something yeah, like that. End, yeah. it, was a, it was a big one. You know, abdominal surgery is not pretty, and plus it's just you know you have the possibility of the outcome of it not being on the upside, if you know what I mean.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice way to put it. <laughs>
2: yeah, but um, <laughs> but. But Nurse Susan did her job and basically everything's working fine now, oh, girls. So that. nobody Good. has to worry. See, in
1: triplets you... was just
0: training camp. <laughs> did you... Uh, are you closer than ever because of this experience?
2: Like well, he up? thought I was a horrible nurse, Okay, <laughs> um, which is probably true on some some level, but he also was... It was a very difficult time for him. Uh, he doesn't really realize how much I did at the beginning because he was really out of it from all the drugs. And I do want to... Uh, But I do also want to say I'm I'm not the best of all nurses in the world, but that's because he's so amazing at it. Yeah, I must have had a hard time. I'm the exact opposite. Getting over the control. Well, and and it's
1: hard because it's hard to see someone that you love in pain and discomfort. It
2: was it, it was hard, and I have you know I work differently. He he is also not the greatest person to have just sitting around the house for three or four months at a time with nothing to do. I imagine. He's a busy man. He was really stressed out about that. But I I, um, I mean, I was there with him the whole summer and we, you know, he got through it. I mean, he came through with flying colors. I mean, it's amazing. But they literally got it. They caught this thing right before it came out of the prostate. Like if it had burst through the prostate it would have spread through his body so it literally is like point one centimeter or something yeah. away from oh opening, God. like they literally got it in time. It the good news was it it hadn't opened up, so well, yeah. thank goodness mm-hmm. so you had for said get your bottom to the doctor. I got one for yeah, you. Yeah, it was good yeah. at the beginning. Okay. I'm not sure if he was really happy with my nursing skills at the end. I asked him. I pre- I said, please, can we just hire somebody to take care of you? The first <laughs> I'm I i do not know how good I'm going to be at this because it, it's kind of it's kind of. You know, it's kind of yucky, you know, medical stuff. It's for me. I'm not a medical person. And but it was fine. It worked out. And, you know, I'm I'm really glad that he's doing well now and he's alive. And we you know, we dodged that bullet once again. But I I can't take total credit. I didn't like find the cancer. I just told him to go to the doctor. Well, but that's that's where it's got to start, right? You know, and Mm -hmm. it's true. I mean, we did a PSA on it, and the cancer, the prostate cancer awareness people wanted us to do a PSA and say, you know, listen to your wife, go to the doctor, you know, use your intuition, and once again, you know, I think it's just. I convinced him to also get therapy at one point during our relationship when the kids were little because we, he would come home and he'd sit at the at the dinner table and he wouldn't speak and then he'd just yell at the kids. And I was like, this is too much for you to handle right now. We need to, you know, dig in. So we all got therapy and that worked out too. And he, he was always very grateful for what
0: that. What is? Can you give our listeners like one tool that you might remember from doing therapy as a family that – worked for communication with you guys
2: well when they were little like douglas would he would start attacking the other two and they effectively taught us how to use timeouts and timeouts for toddlers was a book that was written back then and we just followed that um they were two years old and or three and you know depending on their age is how long their timeout is and when one of them is doing something wrong you separate them you put them in their bedroom for one two or three minutes depending on their age and probably not one they're still pretty little but um and it seems to work quite effectively but you have to stick to your guns you have to use those those tools um also communication with babies if they can't communicate what they're saying they're going to get aggressive because they they bite or they hit or if they can't If they, if so, if they start to get aggressive, try to figure out what it is that they're looking for because there's, they're not evil. They're just, that's their communication skills. And when you have three and they're just all biting each other and hitting each other, it's like you start to realize, you know, it's hard to contain sometimes. And I mean, when you have one baby, you can communicate a little better, but I don't know. I, I I learned a lot from it. I could, I, I enjoy communicating with babies now because I kind of get. And you're so
1: good at it. You, you and Magnolia had a whole thing the other
2: night at dinner. (laughs) She was so cute. She loves
1: you. Um, Lastly, before we let you go, I just want to. If you is there anything that you can remember or think of that helped you in those really hard moments when you were overwhelmed? um, You know, with three kids.
2: Well, you know, I think... Besides the Prozac. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I got past that, okay? We, the the antidepressants were a good help during certain periods of my life just because of my hormonal imbalance. And I don't have anything wrong. I don't have any problems with that um, because... You no, know, we've talked about that a lot. Depression and anxiety. I, I was the type of person where I would get so anxious, I just didn't want to get out of bed. Okay. So... Um, but they worked. But when I was done with that, um, I found that a timeout for myself is always good, too. That's you know? genius. And and just saying, okay, mommy needs a timeout now. And just separate yourself. Um, also, That's great. Yeah, wine has been a big help for me <laughs> over the, this period of time as well. Do you, red or white? Red. Okay. But, you know, Bianca knows that. And um, <laughs> now I honestly, I, if I think back... Uh, taking time for yourself seriously to get out and, and do your own thing occasionally and also just not not losing it you know what I mean Within it, take, it takes everything in your power not to smack your kid or get mad and scream or whatever I mean there's a difference between being stern and saying no you know if they're going to be in danger and you know where you have to slow them down but but just you know try to control any kind of emotion where you're going to be it's going to be harmful to your child because trauma is like the last thing you want to do to any child and because it it causes pathologies later i mean yeah. smacking your kids around is just not a great idea so you know it's hard for me i i Hit! I spanked Paulina once because she didn't want like the way her hair was done, and then I, in the first grade, and then I called the teacher and I said I I paddled Paulina and I and I said in case she tells you <laughs> I feel a lot of remorse, but boy, she pushed me that day, and I was like I can't believe I did that, and I knew better, but it was like come on, you're gonna make the carpool late, and you just have to you know yeah. calm down. Your hair is mm-hmm. fine, like please, like. And Drew was touring with Adam, and they were gone for a week, and I was alone with the kids, and I just lost it, you know. But then I had to call all, all the people that had witnessed it. I'd tell the woman in the carpool because I figured my daughter would say, my mom just hit me. And then I had to call the first grade teacher and I'd tell her. And I was like, okay, I just want to, you know, I don't do this typically, but I lost yeah. it, you know. So that's my biggest advice is. Just try to step back and don't dance, you know, be be present and thoughtful and loving. And And
1: also be gentle with yourself, because, you know, I mean, it's it happens. And I totally understand. And certainly in your case where you have three kids, it's like, you know, we're human beings and and you can only take so much. And, and you know, it's. It's and that's where Our own timeout comes in. Remove exactly. we'll ourselves from the situation exactly. if we need to take deep breaths.
2: Yeah. So so be gentle. And thank you so much for thank coming. You. In thank you for having us. me. It's thank such a pleasure. You. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm honored to be around such so beautiful, intelligent, gosh. wonderful women. Um, we'll right back at you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. we'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll be right back.
0: We're back. We're back. That was so much fun. I love that Susan. That was so fun. I love – I asked her at the beginning of the podcast if there was anything like, that she didn't want to discuss, and she's like, I am uncensored, <laughs> and she came
1: through with that. Yes, yeah, she with did. With flying colors. She was wonderful I, and wild. Yeah, I feel very grateful to have her and Drew in our lives, and I have to tell you, like, I was very intimidated I, re- intimidated, I remember the first time I met Drew and then subsequently um Susan because they seem like such a power couple right they're For just sure. and and they're both um so real and lovely and funny and um i just have they they've been a, a very um welcome addition into my life because of Mike so i'm and happy she's about She's so
0: that. honest
1: Yeah i love that i love the honesty it's great she um, was awesome. I can't wait to um, go on her podcast yeah, together. Yeah. it would be fun. Um, we well, got a mom session. I have a mom. Oh, bomb. mom! you have a mom bomb. That's right. I got the mom session.
0: My mom bomb is uh, OK. So Barry Schwartz did a TED talk and it was about one of the things he talks about is how unhappy we are because of all the choices that we have in our lives. And so it just is like exhausting. Because it used to be, oh, there was like two pairs of jeans that were your options. Now there's like thousands or like how what how many paint colors there are. Oh, yeah. So whatever you choose, you feel like you might not be choosing the one that you should have chosen. So true. Um, and so I laughed out loud when I heard him say this line in the TED Talk. Uh, the, secret to, the secret to happiness is low expectations. Oh. The secret <laughs> to happiness is
1: low expectations. Or even no expectations. Yeah, that's good. That's even better. Let's rewrite it for him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but it's so true. I mean, I was thinking about that the other day when I went shopping, and I was just like, oh, my God, there's, you feel like you have to have all this stuff. And, like, we were okay at a point with just – I mean, I wore uniforms to school for the first eight years of, of school, and, I mean, I didn't know any different. I was like, put the same clothes on every day when I went to school. Um. Okay, mom session. So in our interview with Susan Pinsky, she talked about the little bags that I always have with Magnolia and um, that's actually something my mom used to do um, when we were growing up they called them healing bags because we would my my dad loved to sail we went sailing a lot and when the boat would heal which is when it kind of goes on its side my mom made healing bags so it's H E A. L-I-N-G, and they were bags that would keep us busy and still so we would only stay on one side of the boat when it was tipping (laughs) to the side. And that's how she kind of kept us safe. Um, Nowadays they're called busy bags, which I think is a really cute name too. So um, busy bags are – I mean they work for any age range from from an infant to a toddler to an an older kid. And it's just a bag that you pack with a lot of fun, interesting things to keep your kid busy. Um, You can go on Pinterest – just put in busy bags, and there are so many ideas and fun things. But like when I'm in a pinch, I literally just go to Target. I get a toiletries bag. A clear one's pretty fun because they can see in there and see there's lots of stuff in it. And then I buy toothbrushes and I buy um, travel size bottles that she can take the lids off and stuff. I'll take um, chapstick, big chapstick because, you know, she'll always get the chapstick out of my purse and, like, uh-huh. pull the cap off. and make sure it's at one of the bigger caps and I scoop all the chapstick out of it and then I close it so she has something to, like, open and shut. It's just being creative and they're really fun. And I have about four or five of them and they're stacked um, in a shelf by our front door. And so anytime we go out to dinner or we go on a trip, we just grab those puppies, throw them in, and we're good to go. And it's good because I keep them away from her so that um, she doesn't really see them. So it's, like, a new thing every time she sees it. So get yourself a busy bag. And for older kids, you can do puzzles. And Pinterest is awesome. You have to check out. I'm gonna do it. Yeah, sounds good. Coming up. All right, you guys. uh, We'll see you next week. Remember, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, and rock on. Atomic Atomic Moms. Moms.
2: If you like listening
1: to comedy, try watching it on the internet. no need to wait
2: for it anymore because it's here and it's funny and i love you a
0: few
1: days ago brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and three comments thumbs up brooke